Thanks for popping on your headphones and joining us for an episode of Ballsy History, a podcast about big personalities and little-known stories. Settle in for a tour of the outrageous acts, incredible stories, and outsized characters that shape history. We're your hosts, Elizabeth, Emily, Elise, and Elliot. We're glad you're tuning in. Today on our show, we'll learn about female brewers and the beer they created for religious ceremonies and as a practical beverage for the home. Their work dates all the way back to the Stone Age. By Middle Ages, brewing and selling ale provided women a way to work and achieve good profits, social power, and some measure of independence from men, especially compared to other trades, which did not. Yet after the Black Plague, societal changes led to men dominating in the field of brewing, which still continues today. But some think women were forced out of brewing because men began to accuse female brewers of being witches and using their cauldrons to brew up magic potions instead of ale. Beer is the third most consumed beverage in the world after water and tea, and has been an essential part of the human diet for at least 7,000 years. Did you know the original brewers were women? The poor quality of water before modern sanitation meant women played an important part in keeping everyone healthy and nourished. Beer was an inexpensive way to consume as well as to preserve grains. It provided an important source of nutrients and was full of carbohydrates and proteins. Since this drink was a common part of an average diet, fermenting became a normal household task for women. From the Stone Age to the 1700s, a household staple for most families in England and other parts of Europe was ale, and then later, beer. According to archaeologists who study fermentation, beer was originally produced nearly exclusively by women. If you consider that the ancient divisions of labor often sent men out into the hunt, this left women back home to collect ingredients and brew drinks. There is evidence of brewing as far back as the 5th millennium BCE in Iran. In fact, in the Epic of Gilgamesh, the oldest work of literature known, the character of Sedure appears as a divine alewife. Across Mesopotamia, until the rise of the Roman Empire, women were the primary producers of beer, and in Northern Europe, women had a near monopoly on the production of homebrew in Viking Scandinavia. Public records in the period before the Black Death show regulatory legislation that indicated brewing was a female profession. Female dominance likely evolved because it was not a specialist trade requiring extensive education, the profits were not high, and the work could be done in the home to supplement other income. Wives of the wealthy also acted in a supervisory capacity over the female servants as they brewed. Working in this way freed those elite wives from social stigma. Women's role in the medieval ale industry probably stemmed from traditional household responsibilities of wives and daughters who brewed ale to feed their families. They became small-scale retailers, 
selling goods they already produced. Daily alcohol consumption was a common practice between 1300 and 1700 because water quality was so poor that alcohol had a far superior taste. It's estimated that the average annual consumption of wine in France at this time was over 100 liters. Tipping back was so prevalent that workers could ask to be paid in alcohol instead of monetary wages. Although medieval Europeans drank, they did not do so for inebriation, but rather as sustenance. Ale and hard cider were popular among the lower classes in medieval England, but the ale spoiled quickly, making mass production difficult and resulting in localized industries made up of many small ale producers. There was one alehouse per every 142 inhabitants in each town in 1577. The ale industry was structured so that women played an integral part in brewing, selling, and serving ale. Yet by the late 15th century, hopped beer began supplanting ale as a popular drink in medieval England. Beer brewed with hops was previously only popular in the Netherlands and Belgium, but gained popularity because it kept fresh longer, was easier to transport, and was used as a military drink. As a trade in medieval Europe, ale brewing offered women a relatively lucrative and stable career. Even as the industry underwent multiple economic changes in the late Middle Ages, female brewers found stable work, particularly when compared to other female trades of the times. Following the Black Plague, the brewing trade underwent significant changes to become a commercialized and specialized trade. Meanwhile, medieval society underwent many changes following the plague, such as the consolidation of urban markets, rising standards of living, greater access to capital, cheaper access to grains, greater demand for ale as a staple of medieval diet, and the centralization and rising popularity of alehouses. It didn't take long for the ale market to transform to a commercialized, professionalized, and male-governed. But what about those accusations of witchcraft? Before we begin this section of our podcast, it should be noted that there are differing opinions as to whether some of the symbols we are about to discuss actually tied Brewsters or alewives to the thought of being witches. During the 15th and 16th centuries, the deadly Spanish Inquisition took place. The church viewed these women as evil. In fact, women in general suffered from being the same gender as Eve, the original sin releaser. Nonetheless, the church considered alewives to be temptresses just waiting to lead men down the road to drunken and financial ruin. An iconic image in the Middle Ages was that of an evil alewife consigned to hell. In fact, the church taught that Christ would release everyone from hell except alewives when the time came. Public opinion was certainly stacked against them. Here's some of the iconography we now consider to be stereotypically witchy. In medieval times, women often wore a head covering, many times a henan, which is a headdress in the shape of a cone, steeple, or truncated cone. By wearing one of these hats, which were often as high as two feet tall, 
Roosters could be seen more easily in the streets or markets as they sold their wares. They transported their brew in cauldrons and kept cats to keep mice away from their grain. Hmm, if only history wasn't so inconclusive. Another way Brewsters would promote themselves was to place a broom, a symbol of domestic trade, in front of their doorway to indicate a batch was ready. Additionally, they used a talisman resembling the Star of David to convey the purity of their beer. The six points of the star are said to symbolize the most important parts of brewing, hops, grain, malt, yeast, water, and the Brewster herself. Could this visual link to Judaism be part of why the Catholic Church decided to pay attention to the brewing trade? In Helen Ellersby's book, Dark Side of Christian History, she notes, It took the church a long time to persuade society that women were inclined toward evil witchcraft and devil worship. Reversing its policy of denying the existence of witches in the 13th century, the church began depicting the witch as a slave of the devil. No longer was she to be associated with older pagan tradition. No longer was the witch to be thought of as a benevolent healer, teacher, wise woman, or one who accessed divine power. The church preached stricter gender norms and condemned witchcraft, so to reduce their competition in the beer trade, male brewers accused alewives of being witches and using their cauldrons to brew up magic potions. Over time, it became dangerous for women to brew and sell beer because they could be misidentified as witches and accused of witchcraft, which could result in prosecution or a death sentence. The iconography of witches has endured, and so has men's domination of the beer industry. The top 10 beer companies in the world have male CEOs and mostly male board members. They have portrayed beer as a drink for men, with men ready for drinking beer and women ready for serving it, or serving as eye candy, depending on the decade. A writer for the German Beer Institute noted, In a culture where beer defines part of the national character, the question of who controls the brew is paramount. He who has his hand on the levers of power also has his thumb in the people's beer mug. Gender bias can be found in smaller craft breweries as well. A study at Stanford University found 17% of craft breweries have a female CEO, and only 4% of those businesses employ a female brewmaster. This isn't just a modern occurrence. Susanna Oland, an Englishwoman who immigrated to Canada in 1865, and her husband established a popular brewery called the Navy and Army Brewery. Her husband passed away, and Oland established a brewery of her own, though she concealed her gender by naming the business S. Oland Sons and Company. Her beer recipe became the basis for founding Canada's oldest independent brewery, Moosehead Brewery. Today, the Pink Boots Society supports women working in the beer industry. They describe themselves this way. We are the female movers and shakers in the beer industry. 
we get the beer brewed and fermented with the highest possible quality. We also own breweries, package the beer, design the beers, serve the beers, write about beer, and cover just about any aspect of beer. And we are all women. In Sweden, Female, a Facebook group of like-minded female drinkers, launched the country's first beer made by women. Named We Can Do It, in honor of Rosie the Riveter, this bottled pale ale pretty much sold out before it was even finished brewing. Women and brewing is still a magical combination. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Ballsy History. Tune in next week to hear a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review.